Queensland podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation of this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes and download them all directly that way. If you are looking for card-by-card instruction on reading the tarot, please consider checking out James Wells and my new audio project, The Trumps Card-by-Card, where we dig in deep to one of the major cards and explore it thoroughly. If that sounds exactly like what you're looking for and get your tarot juices all fired up, you can certainly also find that at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. So welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I'm here this week with Teresa Reeds, and we're going to be discussing ethics and spirituality, ethics around business, ethics around practice, um, and all those sort of interesting and sometimes seemingly complex intersections between these different ideas. But for people who might not know who you are, Teresa, why don't you uh, give us a quick shout out about what you're up to and who you are? Sure. My name is, uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. I'm really glad to be visiting with you again, Andrew. So this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, My name is Teresa Reed. I'm known as the Tarot Lady. And you can find me at www.thetarotlady.com. I, of course, do tarot readings, but I'm also a yogi. I teach yoga part-time on the side. And I also do biz mentoring, business mentoring for people in soul-based businesses, whether it be a tarot reader, a yogi, or uh, even like life coaches I sometimes work with as well. So that is the other little gig that I do on the side. And I've got all kinds of little products and projects to help people who are in metaphysical and spiritual industries. So I do kind of a lot of different things, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I I really want to dig into uh, today is, you know, the idea of how do we how do we run our businesses? You know, where 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 is it that we we want to be ethical and clear and um, open or transparent or honest? Where do we want to uh, establish our rules and guidelines and, you know, all these kinds of things in the Internet age? You know, everybody's trying different things and it becomes easy to sort of think that something applies in one place and maybe doesn't apply somewhere else. And yet, um, you know, we, we still got to find our, our compass to navigate these so that we can have uh, good success, of course, uh, as well as, you know, uh, be able to sleep with a, sleep at night and, you know, not feel bad about things. So, yeah, what do you, what do you, what's been on your mind about ethics and and, and conduct lately? Well, I think actually for business and just life in general, it comes down to being kind and civil. Mm-hmm. And it also comes down to respecting boundaries and rules. And some rules can be bent a little bit, but really it's about mutual respect. Whether we're talking about how we're running our business, how we're interacting with our clients or our peers, or even interacting with the World Wide Web. How are we conducting ourselves? What is our intention? What is our motives? Are we bringing a motive of kindness into what we're doing? Or is there something else going on? Like, for example, are we trying to one-up somebody? Are we trying to take the whole game for ourselves? What is your motive? And I think it really begins there. It begins with questioning your intentions uh, in your words, the way you're operating, the way you treat people. you got to start with that, looking within and getting clear on your intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's also important to to be mindful that um, over time you might get to know people's intentions, but certainly from the get go, you can't guarantee that you do. I got this message the other day from somebody who they were, I guess they were checking themselves out on on Google, and a link to to the my Facebook page came up. Mm-hmm. And I got this email going on for paragraphs about how uh, it wasn't right of me to use their name and, you know, all these things. And I, I'd never heard of them before. 
and you know these multi paragraphs of uh, angry and and sort of wrathful, threatening kind of things, you know, were just you know I was like, wow, oh my god, really? This is this is what you're going to lead with, right? And right. and you know immediately I look at what they're saying, and I you know uh, I, I didn't get too triggered, although I was certainly irritated, uh, and. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to respond today. I'll respond tomorrow. And I get up the next day and I respond. I'm like, well, having never heard of you and certainly not having ever named you on, on anything that I'm doing, this must be something that Google and Facebook are doing. Obviously not having done anything in the first place to make this happen. I can't, uh, I can't help you with this. Perhaps you can take it up with them, you know? And, and then their, and then their, their later response was, you know, to, to thank me for that. And then go into, uh, you know, invoking how I should be working with Christ more and that that, that would be better, to which I never responded, okay. you know. <laughs> but uh, it, it's one of those things where people assume that malice, it, it sparks things up, you know. I mean, for me, I, I try not to be reactionary, but man, it can really fire stuff up with people. Right. And imagine if they would have approached you in a different way. If they would have thought before they sent out that, although sometimes when people send out nasty things or write nasty blog posts, they really are thinking because their intention is to harm. Yeah. But imagine if they took a moment and operated from a place of kindness and compassion and wrote to you and said, Andrew, you don't know me and I don't know you, but this link went to your site and I don't want it representing mine for yada, 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 whatever reason. Is there any way you can help me with this? Mm -hmm. Imagine how that would have changed the dialogue. It would have opened up this space for you to investigate, and you could have come back with the exact same response that you did, but with a different vibration. That's, again, what I mean by intention. When we really stop to think about what we're putting out there with our business, our words, our emails, all of that, we have the opportunity in every instance to change the vibration towards one that's going to be mutually beneficial for everybody. And that's really the key. With ethics, we have to think about what is mutually beneficial. Is this benefiting me and the client, or is somebody getting harmed out of this? If I'm putting a blog post out there, is it helping, is it entertaining, or is it harming somebody? you got to think about that all the time. Sometimes we do it unintentionally, but most of the time, if we stop and pause before we hit those buttons, or pick up that phone, we can find a way to do it that's going to be beneficial for both people. And I think that's what really ethics is about. How can everybody benefit? How can everybody walk away feeling good from this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I think it comes back to, um, as one of the best pieces of advice I ever received when I was uh, starting out on this path was uh, a good friend of mine said, you know, Andrew, you need to like devote as much time as you can to dealing with your crap yes. so that you don't get triggered by other people in sessions was when he was kind of pointing to, but I think mm -hmm. that it's true for out of sessions too, you know, because inevitably somebody will come back and say, you know, sooner or later, somebody will be disgruntled about something, yes. you know, and to, to be clear about what we've done, what we, what we plan to do, what we offered, what the, what the you know what the the fees were and all these kinds of things, so that there's no hard feelings down the road is I think really really important and being able to do our best to hold that clarity in the face of other people um, being triggered I think is an important part of of it as well. Well, you bring up a really important part about uh, you know getting your own act together. I think for people who do the type of work we're doing whether you're a tarot reader, whether you're an astrologer, whatever you're doing where you're interacting with people like we do on an intimate manner, the more we do work on ourselves and our lives, and we are all works in progress. Believe me, i got plenty of work to do. But the more we're continuously working on ourselves, the more likely we are showing up for our clients and our peers in a way that is going to be uh, kind and ethical. If we're not working on ourselves, if my life is a hot mess, it's going to bleed out in some way. So really it all comes back to not just our intention, but uh, also making sure that we're working on us and being as kind and compassionate to ourselves as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's one of those things to, to be really clear about what our limits are. You know, I, I see a lot of comments in the discussion boards about, um, you know, 
I feel tired after reading or I did this and, you know, and, and the advice often centers around how to get past that, which is all great and helpful. But at the same time, you know, both for our own sakes and for the sake of the, the people that we're working with, we also need to really respect where we're at and respect, you know, uh, do we feel too tired to work that day? Are we too sick? Yes. Are we, you know, whatever, right? Right. Right. Well, you know, I, you even have to practice this in your marriage. You know, if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm being burnt out and maybe I'm letting myself go, how is that going to be for my partner? You've got to take care of you. You've got to make sure you're working on your stuff because when you're doing that, you're going to be operating from a more grounded base and you will probably be showing up better in your business and with your clients. Absolutely. You know, and I think it it also certainly extends to uh, our peers and to other people too, you know. We we need to be mindful of what is the what is what is the respectful boundary you know what is the what is a respectful approach you know i'm i came up with this sort of uh phrase to describe what i was what the work that i do um not so much in the readings but with the kind of coaching work and uh and sort of more spiritual work that i do with other people um and when i did a google search you know somebody somebody has the url it's mm-hmm. unclear it's unclear from looking at it given given that their like biography says please say something about yourself here it's unclear that it's actually uh, a website that is alive and going and they right. have no they have no entries and you know and a couple other places i saw a few other people were using the phrase um but it, but it's not it's not it doesn't seem to be in common use but the question becomes what do we do about that do we you know uh in, in, in looking for these things, do I rush out and trademark it if they don't have it done? I mean, I, possibly I could, you know, and then I could own it and I could whatever. And even if, you know, but, but that doesn't seem right to me. Um, you know, right. so, so we got to find our way with these things. Right. And, and, you know, that, that is a really, really touchy one. Uh, on one hand for, from a legal and business perspective, the smart thing of course to do is to trademark your stuff. Because you don't want everybody uh, watering down your brand by all of a sudden they're using your like catchphrase, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want that happening. And that's just not good business. So it's smart business to trademark some things and to make sure that you are protecting your stuff. And by the way, when you trademark something, I also find this really interesting. People get really angry when someone protects their trademark. But that is the law. The law is if I had a trademark, let's say my trademark was Andrew McGregor Tarot, and I got it before you did. Okay, now it's too late. And you decided you're going to use it anyways. If I discover you doing it, it is my duty as the trademark holder to go ahead and confront you and to legally make you stop using that because that is how you protect your brand. If you do not protect that trademark, you will lose that trademark. So when people do trademark stuff and they go after it really vigorously, I don't look at that as a negative thing. That's that's doing business. That's what you're supposed to do legally. But for those of us who are looking to use catchphrases or this or that, personally, I think if, if someone's using a catchphrase, even if they don't trademark it, I'm going to try to steer away from that and not use it because I don't want to get in on anyone else's business. I'll give you an example. Uh, Christina, Christiana Gaudet is a wonderful reader based in Florida. Uh, she wrote a book called Fortune Stellar, I believe is the title. And she's awesome. We're friends. And uh, a couple of years ago, I started doing a feature on my blog. I called it Gorilla Tarot. And not Gorilla the Ape, but Gorilla like warfare mm-hmm. with kind of like some of my funky, like unorthodox tarot methods to learn tarot. And Christiana wrote to me and she said, hey, I use that term in my book. So you know what I did? Autumn, I didn't know. I didn't realize it was in her book. So of course, I'm like, oh, my God, no, no, no. Let me take that down. I took it down and I changed it immediately because it's the right thing to do. That is something she's using. So me, I want to make sure my relationships with my peers are always good. And also, I don't want to be doing business that's going to have the same brand thing. It's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. That's an example of really doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's not trademark. She doesn't have a trademark, but she's using it and in her work. Why would I want to do that? No, let her keep her own thing. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, and where where it gets you know dicey is um, you know I, I remember a, a while ago uh, somebody somebody was using a phrase 
and somebody took that phrase and made it their business name mm. and, and trademarked it. And then they wrote a cease and desist to the person that they, they knew they had deliberately taken it from. Yeah, that's not cool. You know, that's definitely problematic and technically legal, right? But, yeah. uh, you know. But, but not cool. It's yes. not ethical. Again, here you're skirting some lines. They're doing the right thing ethically. I mean, legally, but is it ethical? Is it ethical to take someone, again, we'll use Andrew McGregor Terrell. Let's pretend, which you can't use people's names. You can't trademark that, by the way. Mm -hmm. But let's say I did it. I'm going to trademark Andrew McGregor Terrell. Is it right when I know you? Is that cool? No, it's not the right thing to do. It, it may be legal to do that, but it's not the right thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's also a question of two, you know, even if you don't know the person, you know, once, yeah. once you, once you're aware of what's going on, you know, right. it, it becomes your obligation to respect that. I think, you know, it's right. like, it's like to go back to clients for a minute, you know, um, I, I have, I have some clients that, you know, they, they've got problematic pasts and they've right. got health issues and mental health issues and drug issues. And they've, they've got all sorts of things. And, you know, the, the one in particular, they love to come and see me because they, they had this, this terminal health issue. They have this terminal health issue. And I'm the only person who will sit down and talk about the end of their life with them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, you know, every now and then that starts to slide into them asking me for medical advice or slide into, you know, their, their OCD obsession mm -hmm. and, and sort of slightly fantastical or fantasizing things that start to emerge as they, as their, their different issues coalesce, you know? And at those points, I'm always like, whoa, 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 no, 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 we, we are not going there. You know, right. you know, you, you seeing stuff in your apartment is a conversation for you and your psychiatrist, not for me, you know? Right. And, you know, so, so when we know better than the other person, it really becomes our, our duty, I think, to respect that and to honor that by being extra careful and extra vigilant and super, super clear. Well, you know, I always think when I'm doing a reading for somebody, I'm holding space for them mm -hmm. and I'm holding space for them to show up as they are. I do that in my yoga studio too. And you know, sometimes people show up and they're very messy. Uh, we all can be messy <laughs> and that's okay. I'm actually really, really, really cool with that. Uh, but when it starts going into the territory that is beyond the scope of what I can offer, I am always quick to say, look, I'm not a doctor and legally and ethically, I cannot give you advice. I cannot diagnose. I can, cannot prescribe. I can look at the energy around you and that's all I can do. And I think it's really important to be upfront with people about what it is you can and can't do. That way they are not coming in with um, the wrong expectations, but also you want to make sure that you are protecting yourself legally because if you are doing something, like let's say I'm diagnosing people and saying, well, you've got a tumor and you've got this and that, uh, number one, that can lead to a lot of distress for the client. And number two, you can get in trouble for that. You know, you can get in some big trouble. So we have to be very, very careful about what advice we're doling out. Mm -hmm. And again, always be upfront about, look, I can hold space. I can listen. I can give you my take on the energy. But you still have to go see your doctor, your therapist, or, you know, your uh, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, your lawyer, all of that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. You can't take roles that don't belong to us. No, exactly. Just like we shouldn't be the accountant or the, you know, any other thing, right? In those oh, ways. my God. I'd love to be the accountant, though, for a lot of people because <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm i really big into money management. Uh -huh. And I love managing money. I'm actually quite good at it. And uh, I would love to do that, but I know that I can't. I have to manage my own money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, the other thing that's very interesting, too, is there's always this sort of fine balance between, um, you know, I, I read, I read a number of blogs. I read your blog and stuff like that. And every so often, you know, something will come up and I'm like, Oh, I was thinking about writing about that, yeah. you know, or some idea comes out and I'm like, Oh, I've been, I've been developing something along those lines. And, you know, it becomes a sort of, there's this balance between two, 
stuff's out there in the air. You know, ideas are floating around or, you know, certain problems are waiting for solutions and, and there are certain solutions that are, um, you know, well-suited and, and people who are smart and paying attention will think of things. And, and we're, you know, we are all creative and individual, but when we're trying to, to engage similar populations, we're going to come up with similar ideas, you right. know? And, and so there's always this place of checking in about what's going on and being like, so do I want to, do I have a different voice here? Has this person already said it? You know, have they said it better sometimes, right? You know, you'd be honest about that. Sometimes I read something, I'm like, man, that's way better than what I was doing. I'm just going to like put that away and, and off we go, you know? Well, here's my thoughts on that. I think it's really important if you have an idea that you put it out there, period. And because here in the collective consciousness, a lot of us are going to have the same ideas. It just is what it is, especially in, in tarot. I mean, there's only, I always say there's only so, so many tarot things that one can come up with. I try to be coming up with new things, but there's still, you know, going to be crossover. People have similar ideas. That's going to happen, but we're all going to have our own take on it. We're all going to have our own voice. And if you are focusing on your business, you're going to be putting that out to your audience with your own voice. So, for example, if you and I are both writing, let's say, a post on tarot for cats, we may have a very, very different spin on it. It's a similar idea, but it's different. I think the the problem that some of us get into is we worry that if somebody else wrote it that we have nothing to say, and that's not true. We all have plenty of things to say. If we didn't, there wouldn't be new tarot books coming out on the market, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other thing is, too, as long as you are being conscious that you're writing from your own voice or doing your work or offering your stuff from your own voice and not paying attention to what your peer is doing, you're going to be fine. The trouble that people get into is when they do things like they watch what someone else is doing and then they think, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do it like that person because that person's popular and I want to make some money there. That comes from scarcity. If you're doing something because everyone else is doing it or someone successful is doing it and you assume that you're going to get the same success from that, here's the deal. The transmission is not going to be the same when you are coming at it from that point of view. If you are coming from it because it's coming from your source, it's going to be authentic. It's going to work. If it's coming because you see someone else doing it and you're trying to jump on those coattails, it doesn't transmit the same people can feel that. It, it comes off funky. Absolutely. I mean, you can always tell when somebody's like a weak imitation of somebody else. You can always tell. Mm-hmm. It's like, this isn't who this person is. That's not them. Exactly. You know, and I mean, there are many ways in which you and I have this sort of similar overlap in ideas, you know? And, you know, we, we share the punk rock piece and we share... Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's there's stuff that we that we certainly share, but it's so different, right? You know, and and the the thing is, is you know, I think so many of us, uh, well, I mean, so many people that I've talked to, and certainly for myself, you know, when I was young, I always wanted to like fit in, and I always look at the cool kids and be like, oh man, I wish I was like that, or I wish I got that attention, and. You know, it, it never works out to try and be somebody you're not. It's never helpful. And, yeah. you know, and the, the more... It leads through. Yeah. And and what's more, the more, um, the more I look at people who aren't saying, yes, I want to hang out with you. Yes, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And, and I mean in my life, you know, not necessarily in my business, although although there too, you know. Um, the, you know, wh- whenever I look at those people who aren't giving me the, the full on yes, and, and whenever I sort of like looking for more from them, I, you know, I really stop myself now and just be like, for what, you know, what, what, what kind of approval or idea or thing do I think that they have that I'm going to get from them that that's actually going to be worthwhile? Cause if they're not showing up full on and saying yes to whatever's going on, then I'm always going to be aware of the, the imbalance or the dynamic or these things. And I'm never going to settle into it and enjoy it in the same way. Right. You know, I've always been about individuality. And that's been a really, really big theme in my life. And when I was young, I grew up in a rural area. Somehow I got my hands on punk rock. This is back in the 70s, before mm-hmm. it was cool. And I'm in a rural area. 
I get into this stuff, I get into it hardcore. And uh, for me, it made all the sense in the world. I absolutely fell in love with it, the style, the fashion, all of it, at a, right around 12, 13 years old. So I can still remember those days very clearly. And uh, so, of course, I started, like, changing my look uh-huh. because I wanted to be super individualistic. It was very conscious. I've always been my own thinker. Always went against the grain of my family, which, you know, of course, my family, I'm kind of the controversial one because of that. But so I got into my music and stuff. And, you know, I got a lot of hate from it back in the day because I wasn't conforming. But I loved that. I loved it. I loved it that no one else was listening to it because I'm like, good, I got this all to myself now. Yay. And so for me, it was awesome to have my own thing, my own music, my own groove, my own style. And, uh, you know, that vibration, that little teenage thing still is with me to this day. I I love music. I love my things. I like what I like. I do what I want to do. And that individuality, it's like, it, it's just so strong in me. I cannot try to conform to one thing that isn't who I am. Uh, do you ever hear that song by Wendy O. Williams, It's My Life? Uh, I, I'm not familiar with it. I don't think so. Okay. The Plasmatics were one of my hugest influences when I was about 13 years uh-huh. old. And Wendy O. Williams was just an amazing performer, super controversial. She had the style back then that I was like, that's my gal. Yeah. And, uh, but she's got the song, It's My Life. And the whole lyrics behind it, it's my life and I'm going to do what I want, do what I want to do, is really the way I've lived my life. And it's the way I run my business. I am going to do my business as me. I'm not going to try to be someone that I'm not. You know, if I was going to be running my business, let's say, Let's use a person as an example here. Uh, let's say I want to decide that I'm going to be just like Donna Lay. Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. If I try to like take on that personality and her interests, once again, it's not going to be me. If I did a podcast, it sounded just like hers. It's a weak imitation. It's weak sauce. And again, people hear that. Mm-hmm. Now, when I go and I create my tarot card by card manual that has tarot wraps in it, because now I'm into rap because I love hip hop. Um, that's me. That's who I am. That mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me to write a scholarly piece on tarot when my personality is more like I like fun, I like music, uh, I'm straightforward. It's got to come through as me. It's got to transmit as me. And I think for all of us, if we can really embrace the individual and really do our own thing. You're going to have a business then that works better for you and your clients. And it works better for your clients because if they see what they're getting up front, they know what they're getting into. So if I put on this fake front, like, let's again, let's pretend I'm trying to be, let's say I'm trying to be Andrew McGregor. First of all, I'm not a man. (laughs) Second of all, you don't have enough tattoos yet. But, but, you know, if, if all of a sudden I'm trying to show up like you, people are going to come and they're going to be like, oh, this is what, this isn't what I signed up for. I was looking for something different. So being ourselves is very ethical because it helps clients choose us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we also, in this conversation, I think need to talk about how there, there are clearly defined boundaries. Like don't steal from people, right? Don't, you know, I mean, to me, uh, I always, every session, even when I, even when I've booked it and I know how long the person is there for, I always reconfirm how long they're there for. Yes. You know, are you here for are you here for an hour? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then they and then we know and I know that we've had this conversation about money, right? And it's clear and there's no messing around, you know. And it would be really unethical for me to, uh, even though some people might say it's squishy or it's it's uh, open ended, but it would be really unethical for me to expect the client to be watching the clock and yes. be like, "Oh, my half hour's up. I'm done. I'm out of here." You know, I, I can't bait and switch like that and then charge them more money. I don't think that's fair. Right. But then there's questions like, um, you know, some people don't want to talk about health issues, period. Well, that's fine, you know, mm-hmm. but, but we need to be mindful of, of where we, where we can, where we are trying to define things for other people as well, which I think is yes. a problematic area to, to be in. Oh, well, here's my thing. Tarot and bureaucracy do not belong together. Uh-huh. Partially I say that because I am an anarchist, but partially it's because it does cause trouble. When you start putting down a heavy hand and say, this is the way it's going to be, and this is what ethics are, and everyone needs to go by my ethics, 
that is not the way the tarot needs to be run. Tarot is not going to, it's not going to go like that. It must not be organized. It cannot be organized. And so I am vehemently against any sort of enforced ethics. And here's why. Also, my ethics are very, very much what works for me and my business, but it may not necessarily work for someone else. Most of my ethics are very, in my opinion, pretty universal, like client confidentiality is extremely important to me. My word is, is gold. I'm never going to talk about that reading ever again. I'm going to destroy it. You're not going to see it. You know, that's one of my things. And I think it's a cornerstone of most of ours. Mm -hmm. But there are things like, for example, some people will not allow a person to come in and ask about other people. And for me, I do allow that depending, but there's always like, there's a depending. There's certain things that's none of your business. But if somebody comes in like a granny and wants to ask if her granddaughter is going to do okay in college, why would I not want to, this is my theory. Why would I not want to read for her like that? Of course I'm going to. Of course I am. If somebody comes in and they are dealing with maybe a huge issue with a loved one, looking at the loved one's perspective, might help them within reason for sure so for me that's something that i do allow and some people think oh my god that's like crossing an ethical line it's like first of all you're not in my office you're not knowing how it's going down number one and number two it's not prying if you're just looking for some general guidance to make sure somebody's okay i don't see anything wrong with that and you know what andrew i gotta tell you i'm a nosy mom (laughs) I want to know what's going on with my kids. I want to know they're okay. I don't want to know what their sex lives are because that's not on my business. But wanting to know that my kid is going to be okay or wanting to know what is going on with my husband and why is he so cranky, I don't think those are things that are too bad. Well, and I think that, you know, it becomes – there become a lot of ways in which people semantically do similar things. Yeah. And and, and sort of – but have a have a different language so it feels differently. So yes. if you're if you're looking at the outcome of a, a marriage, right? If a person's coming, they, you know, tell me tell me about how my marriage is going to go, or tell me what's going on for me romantically. Well, you're inevitably looking at that other person's life, right? That that other partner. You have to. You have to. Even if the only outcome that you look for is, you know, are they going to be happy or not or whatever, right? Um, you know, when I do relationship readings, I, I like to include a section, you know, which is uh, where the other person is coming from, you know, which, you know, we're not we're not prying into all the details of it, but we're, we're looking for information that's going to help that person, you know, go and deal with their relationship yes. in some way. Right. Because maybe the the you know, the the cards say that the person is, you know, unhappy about their work and they're not paying attention to their relationship. But the yes. person's taking it personally, you know, to go back and say, like, go back and, and revisit your relationship and go back and have conversations to see this information, see how this might be true. That's super helpful. Oh, right on. It seemed like with astrology, uh, astrology is something that I really love. I don't use a lot of it in my business. I do use it all the time in my life, though. But uh, sometimes a client will want an understanding of why is my partner like this? And sometimes being able to look briefly at someone's chart and say, oh, they have a a moon in Gemini. This is what they need in order. This is how you need to relate to them. That can actually help people to recognize, oh, my goodness, this is why this person and I are clashing heads because my moon is in Cancer, their moon is in Gemini. Oh, by the way, I don't have a moon in Cancer, I have a moon in Scorpio. I'm just in a fake example here. But uh, that would tell me that, I'm a very emotional person. This person's more into their logic. We've got to like really work around that so we can find a way to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. That is helpful information. That is not looking and spying on someone. That is giving you an idea of what kind of person you're operating with. You know, Andrew, when I had my children, I planned them by astrology, (laughs) which makes people think I'm kind of crazy, but I did. What what, What signs didn't you want? Well, I wanted... Well, the biggest thing I wanted was uh, I wanted children that I knew I would get along with. Uh And I don't want to diss any Tauruses out there. I did not want a Taurus (laughs) because they're very stubborn. Well, the universe has a funny way of doing things because I planned my daughter so she'd be a Leo. And because I think Leo is such a great sign for women. And I knew I was going to have a girl the first time. And I'm like, I want a Leo. Leos are dynamic. It's the opposite of me. They're outgoing, yada, yada, yada. They have great hair. Uh, So anyhow, my daughter came three weeks early. 
and kind of messed up my master plan. She is a Leo. She's a full-blown Leo with a moon in Taurus. So I did her astrology chart in the hospital, and I looked at it, and I cried. Yeah. I said, oh, my God, she's going to be difficult. She's going to be stubborn. And I'm not a stubborn gal. Well, actually, let me take that back. I am stubborn about some things, but I'm pretty laid back. So I looked at that chart. I cried. But I knew then what I had to work with. My daughter is a grown woman. We have a fabulous relationship. It hasn't always been easy. But I always had that information about how she ticks so that I could work with that energy. And I could be aware, oh, yeah, here I am. I need to be a certain way because this is what this child needs. It allowed me to be a more effective parent for her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that kind of stuff helped. I, uh, I'm not with you about the Leos. I, I, I like my Leo friends, but uh, I grew up with a lot of Leos, and I'm just like, man, uh, I, I love y'all. But uh, it's it's too much for me. I'm just like, and not only that, I grew up with uh, a bunch of Leos who all have the same ascendant, uh, which is very peculiar, right? So, which ascendant? Uh, Scorpio. Ah, uh, you like it? You've had some intense people then. Yes, definitely intense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, my son, I planned uh, to be Aquarius, and he came pretty much close to his due date. Has a easy chart, did his chart. I said, oh, this one will be easy. He's been easy the whole way. Nice. So I got that time it worked out according to my plan, but I learned I can't micromanage the universe. No, no, exactly. And <laughs> other people, right? Me. Right. No, no. And that's, that's the other thing I want to say about um, all joking aside. When we are asking about other people, it's not to manipulate ever, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever. It's to help. So when somebody's reading or doing something to manipulate, that's a different reason. That's like, that's like the wrong type of ethical thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I get people coming in and be like, "Do you do you have some some magic to make my, you know, ex come back to me or this or that or whatever?" And I'm just like, "I, I don't want any part of that." You know, that's just if you're not if you're not capable of, if the situation is such that you and this other person are not having a good relationship together, going to going to a spiritual solution is is not going to fix that. You know, it's got to right. be fixed in the world first, and then you can I- see. I agree, and I know there are a lot of people who do things like that that will do these reconciliation or love spells. But my thought is this. If somebody is going to be with me because I've done a spell instead of because really loving my heart, that's not a relationship that feels right for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, I think that comes back also, though, with our, our clients and our peers and all of that. If the relationship doesn't feel right, it's not right for me or for them. Yeah. And, and again, it goes, you know, when we know better, like we were saying, that's where we have the opportunity to show them. You know, I had this very old, very Catholic Portuguese guy whose wife left him, and he was really, really mad, and he was in for a reading. And he's like, I want to destroy her. And I'm like, I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, he's got a new man. I want her to, you know, I'm like, well, here's the deal, my friend. You wait mm-hmm. till midnight. You get out of the, the crossroad somewhere, stand in the middle of the corner, the, the middle of the road, and you call on the devil, and you tell him you want to trade your soul to ruin this person's life. And immediately, of course, he's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't. I, he's like, I, I'm like, well, that's the only thing, you know, there's no difference. And number two, I'm not, I'm not getting involved, you know? Yeah, that's not ethical. Mm-hmm. Trying to destroy people like that, not ethical. Yeah. Again, it comes back to our intention. And where his intention is obviously coming from a place of being really wounded. Yeah, of course. So all that anger is coming from that. So for him, the best thing to do is, you, dude, you've got to heal your wound. Yeah. you got to heal your wound. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when we are doing things that push the ethics or push the boundaries, or maybe we're treating a peer cruelly, or maybe stealing business or whatever the hell we're doing, we've got to come back to, again, why am I doing this? And there's probably some sort of fear or wound underneath that. Otherwise, we don't have to act like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that it's all about working to own your stuff, right? Be really, really clear, you know? Why Why wouldn't I want everybody else to be successful at things? You know, like, yes. you know, uh, other people, you know, as James always likes to say about, you know, Toronto, uh, in, in the greater Toronto area, there's something like 6 million people. How could yeah. I possibly ever read for them all? You know, exactly. I hope that other people, I hope there are other great readers out there doing great services. And I, I hope that they are successful in helping people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So. Right. 
Well, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do uh, business mentoring for my peers and have put out products and stuff to help uh, people in our industry and people in soul-based businesses. It's because I want everyone to succeed. I want everyone to be making a healthy living, doing work that they love and serving people. You know, that is always my mission. I want to see everyone doing well. Mm-hmm. That makes me happy. That makes me feel that, wow, we're all doing great. We're all spreading some great things out there in the world. What a good vibe that is when we're all doing well. Yeah, absolutely. No one has to do better than the other. We don't have to do that. We don't have to be doing that. Yeah. We can all serve. We can all serve well. And we can all serve in a way that feeds our family and our souls, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even have to pay attention to other people, you know? No. I, I, uh I don't read anybody else's stuff that doesn't excite me. You yeah. know, like I don't, I remember there was a, an online conversation somewhere where some coach had, I think maybe you were involved in it, where some, some business coach had, was suggesting ways in which you can track other people's Facebook yes. things and stuff. And I'm just like, who's got time for that? Like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm obviously some people do, obviously they do. Right. And obviously it's, yeah. it's helpful to them in some way, but for me, I'm like, you know, I don't, I have, I have a small amount of time between, you know, the family and the job to like read things and do stuff that is exciting for me. And, you know, in my, in my newsfeed or my blog feed or, you know, my RSS or wherever I'm looking at stuff, I only want things that are inspiring to me, you know? And I, I really just go through, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, what's this? And then I read it and yeah. then I ditch, you know, and, and I'll go through it. It's not that I expect everybody's everything to be uh, exciting because you know people are people are diverse and I'm sure you know not everybody's been interested in in every guest or every blog post I put out either but you know but to think of like sorting through that stuff as a way of yeah. like looking for leads and ideas and stuff I'm like man who's who's got the juice for that I certainly don't well you know first of all there's a saying that I like called compare and despair mm. when you start comparing yourself to everybody else's business you're going to feel like garbage about your own. So I'm a big believer in tuning out a lot of that. There are some well-known coaches that are actually very famous coaches that tell people that they should stalk their business competition. And notice the word competition. I even hate saying that. I like colleagues and peers because it's so much friendlier. Mm-hmm. But imagine this. You're supposed to sit there and, quote, unquote, stalk them. And the advice is to see where they're at and show up where they're at. Talk to the people they're talking to. Talk about what they're talking about. Get interviewed where they're getting interviewed. Think about that for a minute. That is so creepy, number one. But number two, you're not operating your business from your heart then. You're operating it by trying again to ride on someone else's tails. It's just it's just not the right way to do business. A better way to do business, in my opinion, is first of all, you stop t- t- treating people like competition. Yeah. We're peers, we're colleagues. We're all in this together, buddies. And so we can all be cool because we all have different flavors. It's kind of like Baskin-Robbins. There's all these different flavors to choose from. It's all good. And second of all, when you're busy focusing on your own stuff, instead of what someone else is doing, you're transmitting you. Mm-hmm. You're putting you out there. You're creating products that are from your source that are probably going to really help the people who are drawn to you. So I think the advice about following or quote-unquote stalking your quote-unquote competition, I think that's terrible advice for people who do heart-centered work. We are much better off befriending our colleagues and peers rather than watching what they're doing and trying to like get in on their game. It's just not right. Yeah, It's not right. It's not kind. It's not ethical. It's well, not kind. And for me in that regard, I measure my success on uh... – who answers my email? You know, like when I when I reached out to you for this uh, thing, I was like, "Hey, Teresa, I think it'd be really interesting for us to have a conversation about ethics." And like almost immediately, it was like, "Yes, I'm in." Uh, yeah. Maybe in a month, you know, or whatever, right? But like, it's like boom, response connected. You know, when I when I put together the the, the Tarot de Marseille course that I put on, and I reached out to the other people that I wanted to teach, they were just like. Yeah, I'm in. Whatever, whatever you need, I'm in. And you can't get that from stalking people, and you can't get that from just lurking, and you re- you can't get that from just cold calling people. You know, it's not to say that I don't reach out cold to some people 
and get them to come on the podcast because I do. But in in general, you know, you, you can't you can't operate that way Mm-mm. as as a general way of being because it's just it's not going to turn out right. Well, you know, it's interesting. You pick up the cold call thing. Um, don't come with cold calling people and asking for help because you know we need we all need, again we're all in it together. We all need help. But there's a way to do it. and There's a way not to do it. When people show up in my inbox who don't even address me by name, who've only used like some form letter, and they're asking me, hey, support my crowdfunding campaign because you're into tarot. That to me is like, okay, well, maybe I might be interested. But if it's somebody who comes and says, hey, I've been following your blog. I really love that post you wrote on XXXXX. And, you know, I think your style is very interesting and I'd love to like talk with you further and then started a relationship with me. I got to tell you, if they're going to come with an ask, you bet I'm going to support them then Mm -hmm. because we've developed something. They're showing that they're interested in my world. They're doing business like they used to do business back in the old days. How did people do business back in the old days before we had internet and television and all that? They got to know their neighbors. Sure. And they said, Hey, that, uh, that general store down the street, They've got really good five cents candy, you know, so that's how it worked. And that's how it still needs to work. We need to go back to that, getting to know people first. Then it becomes much easier to refer people, to ask for help when there is that genuine interest in trying to get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so key. it really is, right? Because, you know, like I had, I, I guess there's a lot of money to be made from having the, um, interact and credit machine things but like mm-hmm. i'm always getting called because i have a store here right from these people who want to like sell me on some other thing and they always lead with a lie you know yes. they always they always start with some deceitful statement and and i'm like the the conversation's over then right yeah you know and, and even like somebody actually like came in the other day and wanted to talk to me about it and i was like you know what i gotta go because I have a client and, and I'm not really interested, and they they wouldn't, they weren't, they weren't blatantly disrespectful, but they were doing that salesperson thing of, yeah. if they're still talking, we're we're still making a deal, and yeah. and I had to say to them, I'm like, look, I'm I'm not gonna buy your product, I'm not interested, don't bother coming back because I don't want to talk about it, you know, and it's so frustrating, you know. And I mean, they're, you know, ostensibly they're in the money business, so I guess it's okay, right? But, um, you know, but but in general, I think that it can be, we need to be clear about what we're selling. Yes. We need to be clear when we're selling and when we're asking for favors or when we're reaching out, you know? Um, and, and then we need to, like, respect what comes back. Because, yes. you know, it, it's always been amazing to me how long... Um, how successful having a long sales cycle with people is, even though it can be frustrating when when you're getting going, right? You know, but I've had people who are like, I, I've had your card for two years and I'm ready to see you now. I'm like, great. Now they're ready to do something. Awesome. Right. It's right. It's the right vibe. You know, that that reminds me, there's a, there's a, a common tactic out there that I really dislike. And the tactic is, you see it a lot with coaches, where they'll be giving you this free session, like a free 15-minute session. They A lot of times they call it like a strategy session, discovery session, something like that. And they don't have their prices listed. Mm. So you get on that session, you think, oh, great, I had this guy do this once. Free session, this is a really well-known coach. I thought, okay, let me give this a try. So I had my session, and the person I talked to was helpful. And right away then, they started launching into a sales pitch. Because they wanted to, uh, what is what is the word they use for that? Upgrade or there's convert. a word. Convert, but there's another word for it. Upsell. That's uh-huh. it. Then he wanted to upsell me to this $5,000 coaching package. <laughs> which again, it wasn't on their website. The prices is just, here's this free discovery session or something like that. I don't think that's a good way to do business. First of all, for your client, they feel caught on the spot and they feel uncomfortable then. Yeah. It's not good. It's better to have the prices la- labeled right up front. Also for you as a, a business owner coming into the metaphysical industry, 
it feels icky to have to push like that. I don't think it's good for us to do that. It's not the way to do business. I think a better thing is you have your prices out there. If you're going to do a free session, just do the damn free session, but have your prices and you can gently let people know these are the other things I have available. It just feels better. And then if they're going to invest, they invest. If not, they got their free 15 minutes and they feel great and everyone walks away feeling awesome. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a much better way than cramming your business down someone's throat because you put up this fake free offer? I don't know. It feels like bait and switch to me. For I don't sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. So by the way, I avoid all free 15 minute sessions now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's exactly, it's like those timeshare things, right? Come stay for three days yes. and then, and then we'll hard sell you on stuff for yes. a period of time. It's like, eh. It's not, it's not nice. Nobody feels good about that, really. No. You know? No, timeshare way of doing it. My, my younger brother <laughs> went to Florida once, and he said, we got these free tickets to SeaWorld. So how'd you do that? He goes, well, I, I attended this timeshare lecture for a day, and then I got my tickets. And I said, you spent a whole day in a timeshare lecture. You could have been using that day for all these other things. He said, yeah, but I got free tickets. I said, time is money. Mm-hmm. And that's when he wrapped his head around. He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of got bamboozled, didn't I? I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's what it feels like. It's just, I just think it's just a funky way of doing business. Mm-hmm. I understand it's a successful way of doing business. I don't think it's really good for uh, the type of work we do. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you so much for making time to hang out with me today and, and have this conversation. And, you know, where where should people come and look for you? You know, so, yeah, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me anytime, Andrew. I love talking with you. This has been just great fun. And I think we could talk about ethics for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Uh, so for people, if you want to find me, you can find all my different offerings at www.thetarolady.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And uh, everybody should go and check it out. There's all sorts of great stuff. Teresa's blog is uh, is one of the limited number of uh, tarot blogs that I that I read because there's all sorts of great stuff on there. Thank you. So first, I want to thank you for listening, and uh, secondly, uh, this podcast episode was recorded towards the end of December, and uh, you've know, cruised through about twenty five interviews this year. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know what you've enjoyed. Please let me know who you'd like to see here having conversations or topics you'd love to see covered uh, in 2015. Have a great holiday. And uh, well, if you listen to this after the fact, I hope that things are going wonderful for you. Bye-bye.